tuning into this podcast. What you're about to hear is a sermon about not taking the Lord's name in vain. I got to go and speak at the UT Austin Chi Alpha service a couple weeks ago, and this is what you're going to listen to. I hope you enjoy. that you're going to really enjoy hearing from. Many of you know her. She was sitting in these classrooms not too long ago as she was walking on campus. She was like, I cannot believe that it's already been two years since I graduated. Would you welcome one of our one of our former Longhorn Chi Alpha um, officers? Favorite. Favorite. Longhorn Chi Alpha officer and small group and just an overall wonderful friend. We love her a lot. Will you welcome Madeline Schmidt? super good so just like tonight like I know God has like spoken to me about this he's going to continue speaking to me about this I'm not like an expert or anything this is just something that the Lord's teaching me in and wants to teach y'all in and so just prepare your hearts because this is going to be as effective as you want it to be tonight 
So let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, we just thank you for the opportunity to come and to gather. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is inside of us. Lord, I pray that you just speak through me, that you get the message you want to get across tonight. We pray that our hearts are open for it. Um, we just love you, Jesus. We thank you for this time. In your name, amen. Cool. Oh my gosh, hey, look, the slides are right here too. That's so cool. Wow, so we're in a series called the Ten Suggestions, Ten Commandments. Are they suggestions or commandments? And today we're talking about the third one. So it's not taking the Lord's name in vain. And so if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and get it out. If you have your phone, you can go ahead and turn to it. Does anybody have a, a paper Bible here? Yeah? You see like one. Y'all are, you know, you get actually saved faster if you have a paper Bible. Right? <laughs> you figure that out after you graduate, but it's okay, you'll get there. Uh, and so the third commandment is Exodus 27, and I'm first going to read out of the NIV. And so it says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So when we first hear this command, you first think of it, I'm sure we probably all think the same thing. Like, we're not supposed to say OMG. Like, that's, that's pretty much it, right? It's like what we get out of it. And... You know, it's right, because if you think about it, if anytime something bad happens and you, like, say the name of someone you love, like, that's not a very, like, honoring way to use their name. Like, if you're married and it's, like, your anniversary and you're making dinner and you decide to make, like, elf-style spaghetti, and so you get Pop-Tarts, you get candy corn, you get all of this, and you're taking it over to your spouse and then you trip and you spill it, and then you spill it on the dog that you also got them for the anniversary present, and the first thing you say is, oh, my Karen. She's probably not going to like that. And the rest of your dinner is probably not going to go good, or the rest of your marriage. And <laughs> it's because it's, it's not an affectionate way to treat the name of the one you love. Right? Well, that's the same with God. It's not an affectionate way to show that you love him. But i got a lot more to go into tonight. So now we're going to look at the King James Version. And so it says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Getting old timey here. For the Lord will not hold guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So when we look at this, it's like pretty similar as the NIV, right? The only like main difference aside from having to pull some thighs out is that it's misuse versus vain. Like that's the difference. It's whether you're misusing his name or taking his name in vain. And so when I was looking at this, I was like, okay, well, what do these words mean? And so, what does it mean to misuse something? And so, to misuse is to use something in the wrong way or for the wrong purpose. So, for example, like using your textbook as a paperweight. Now, that's not what it's supposed to be used for, but it's what they're good for, right? Because textbooks don't really have any knowledge in them. I don't blame you for using it as that. But it's a misuse, right? You're supposed to use it to study, but instead you're using it as a paperweight. It's a misuse of its purpose. So, if there is a way to misuse God's name, that must mean that there is an appropriate way to use his name. So, how is God's name supposed to be used? So, for that, we're going to look at Psalm 147.1. And if you're taking notes tonight, I just want to let you know that note takers are history makers. So, you want to make history, you better take some notes. So, Psalm 147.1. That's just a little nugget for you. There you go. Um, it says, praise the Lord. How good is it to sing praises to our God? How pleasant and fitting to praise him. 
the right way to use God's name is praisefully, right? Like anything that doesn't glorify God is a misuse of his name. It's fitting, it's right, it's honoring to glorify him. So on the opposite, that must mean that it's not right, it's wrong and unfitting for his name to be anything but praised. So you know how when you have like two people in court and they're like, I have the truth and this is my way and this is what happened. And then you have the other person like, no, she's lying. Like this is what really happened. This is the truth. And you're like, well, that can't be right. Only one way could have happened. There's only one person that's really telling the truth. Well, in the same way, there's only one way to truly praise God's name, to accurately, rightly, and in a fitting way, praise his name. And that's with praise and prayer. And so we also look at Psalm 139.20, and it says, They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. So speaking of God evilly is a misuse of his name. If we slander his character, if we don't glorify him, if we don't praise him, it's a misuse of his name. And so that's what it is to misuse something. But let's look at what it means to take something in vain. So the definition of vain is producing no results. It's useless. And so examples like all studying in general. It's all useless. There's no purpose for it, actually. Or working out and then eating an entire box of those caramel chocolate coconut Girl Scout cookies, because they're so good, they're like Samoas or something. But it's useless because you work out and then you just eat it all back. Right? There, there's no result, nothing comes out from it. And so when we misuse God's name, we actually rob him of the power that his name produces. But we're, we're gonna come back to that in a minute. But I also wanna look at this verse in Exodus of our third commandment in the message version. So if you don't know kind of like what the difference of the versions are. NIV is kind of like paraphrasing like the sentences. King James is why it's like kind of confusing sometimes. It's because it's direct. And the message is like a little summary. So this one, that's why it's going to be a little different. But in the message, it says, no using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. So irreverent, that's like the different word there, right? We first looked at misuse and in vain, and now we're looking at irreverent. And irreverent is showing lack of respect for something that deserves it. Showing lack of respect for something that deserves it. So if we talk about God in a way that doesn't respect his name, that's an irreverent use of his name. So it's like if maybe you're driving in traffic and they finally start moving and you're like, oh, hallelujah. That's kind of like praising God without respect, right? So that's like an irreverent use of his name. But the last version that I want to look at for our commandment is in the Amplified version. And this one's my favorite. I could probably spend like the entire time just speaking about this, but I won't. But it's really good. And so it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That is, irreverently, in false affirmations, or in ways that impugn the character of God. For the Lord will not hold guiltless, nor leave unpunished, the one who takes his name in vain, disregarding its reverence and its power. Like, dang, that's so good. And so when I first read this, I had no idea what the word impugn mean. I, I had to, like, listen to, like, Google speak it to me, like, ten times, because I, I have never heard it before. But it means to dispute the truth, validity, or honesty of, to call something into question. So you're disputing the truth. Like, is it true? 
Is it valid? You're calling it into question. And so are you ready? Because we're about to dive in and you're gonna get shook. So is the way that you're talking, the way that you're speaking of God's name, disputing God's truth? Is the way that you're speaking, bringing into question his authority over your life, over your situations and over the earth? Do the words that you say or the words you say to others call into question the character of God? That's some good questions. So the rest of our time, we're going to be looking into this. Does what we say, misuse, and impugn call into question the character and the name of our God? So I'm a middle child, and yes, now you know why I am the way that I am. <laughs> but uh, both of my brothers, they're actually away at school. And so right now, it's just me at home like with my parents, and it's a lot quieter than it used to be. And I like it, but it also means that I have a lot more time to myself, and I have a lot more time with my thoughts, and I realized how often I talk to myself, like all the time. Whether I'm like planning out my day or telling myself what to do next, I'm just always talking to myself and thinking about what I'm saying and telling jokes to myself, because I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm like really funny, and I'm even funnier in my head. <laughs> but I realize that I talk to myself, right? And like when I wake up in the day, I'm like, okay, I wake up and then I say, okay, God, five more minutes. And he says, okay, so I go back to sleep. And then I wake up again and I say, okay, I'm going to go brush my teeth, wash my face, I'll get my coffee, then I'll come back up and I'll do my devos. So I realize that I tell myself what I'm going to do before I actually do it. And the Holy Spirit was kind of like, hey, you know, Jesus actually did that too. And we see that when Jesus is going throughout his ministry and he's healing people, he usually talks before he does something. So before he breaks bread, he'll bless it, and then the bread is multiplied. Before he heals somebody, he'll say, get up and walk, and then they're healed. Or before he tells his disciples to go and to heal people, he will first say it. And so kind of thought about why do we, why does he do this? And I think the reason is because Jesus is trying to show us that there's power in our words. There's powers in the words that we say. Our words matter. So you've heard that saying, like, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie, right? Like, we've all been hurt by words before. Words hurt because they hold weight. And so the words that we say hold weight. Whether we praise God and rightly use his name throughout our day or forget about him until it's time to pray over our meal for dinner, it matters. And so how do we know that words have mattered? Well, if you look at the first chapter of Genesis, you see that God is creating the world from nothing, from emptiness. And he says that he spoke, and then things came to be, right? God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be a lizard, and there was a lizard. Right? He spoke it before it happened. And so we're like, okay, God's words have power. How do I know that my words have power? Well, when God forms man, it says that he breathes life into them. God's words... His breath that he used to form his words, he breathed that into us. So the same power that God has when he brings things to life is living inside of us. If you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, that spirit, that's what the power comes from. So the word for spirit in Hebrew is roach, and in Greek it's pneuma. And this means the breath of God. So we have the breath of God inside of us. That's where this power comes from. 
And so tonight, we're going to be looking at three areas where we can misuse the power in our words and take Jesus' name in vain. So we're going to look at different areas where we can kind of misuse his name, but I also want to like clarify first that with the Holy Spirit, we can rightly praise his name. Like We can rightly glorify and honor him. But sometimes to know how to do it rightly, we kind of have to look at how we're doing it wrong. So that's what we're going to be looking at. And so the first one tonight is how we speak to ourselves. We can misuse the name of God by how we speak to ourselves. So what are the words that you're speaking over yourself? How do your words say, how do they compare to the words that Jesus spoke? So what did Jesus speak? He spoke life. So what is life? So we look at Philippians 4, 8 through 9. And I have these words kind of underlined here. And as I read it, I want you guys to like say it back at me, right? Cool. It's also like a different color, so it's super easy for you. So, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Wow, you already feel. I'm going to start over. <laughs> finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Whatever is noble. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, like a game. <laughs> think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So go down this list and ask yourself, do the words that you're speaking over yourself, check those boxes. Is what you're saying to yourself, is it true or is it false? Are you saying, I can't hear from God. He won't speak to me. I've sinned too much. Is it true or is it false? Is what you're saying over yourself, is it noble or cowardly? Is it right or wrong? Is it pure or lustful? Is it loving or hateful? If you say, I hate the way I look. I hate my hair. I hate my weight. I hate my height. When Jesus calls us to love everybody, and that kind of includes ourselves. Is what you're saying admirable or shameful? Is what you're saying excellent, or does it focus on failures? Do you focus on your mistakes and replay them over and over and over again? Or do you look at how you can improve and encourage yourself in the areas that you do well? Is what you're saying to yourself praiseworthy or condemning? And you know, in that verse, it talks about putting it into practice. You know, that our obedience, it actually honors God. If we put into practice these things and are obedient, Jesus is glorified. So we honor his name when we obey his commands. So when we speak rightfully over ourselves, we actually praise his name. So how do your words that you say to yourself show the fruit of the Spirit? Do your the words you say to yourself contradict the words that God is speaking over you? Do your words dispute his truth? Do they impugn the character of God? Do they challenge the reason that Jesus died for you? And so maybe you're thinking, like, why does it really say? Why does it really matter if I say these things over myself? Like, well, what's the harm? Like, maybe I don't even believe it, but I just kind of say it. Well, in the Bible, there's kind of this theme where you can have what you say. And so if we believe this, and we really think that we can have what we say, would we change the words that we're speaking? So in Mark 11, 23 through 24, it says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, 
but believes that what they will say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then in Matthew 17, 20, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. If you truly believe that you can have what you say, would you still speak to yourself the same way? Would you say, I'll never get the job. I'll never be as spiritual as so-and-so. I'm a horrible boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm going to fail this class. I have anxiety. I'm stuck in depression. I'm sick. I can't read the Bible. I can't pray. I can't follow God. I'm always scared. I'm always angry. I'll never change. I can't do it. If you truly believe that you can have what you say, would you still speak to yourself the same way? So maybe you're struggling with some of these things and you're saying, okay, but what do I say, what do I say instead? Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? Meaning faith is believing in things that we can't see right now. So you pray to God over your situation. But instead of declaring negativity and death about yourself, you just tell God the problem and ask him for a breakthrough. It's not ignoring the problem, but declaring life and truth over your situation. So if you're dealing with anxiety, tell God what you're feeling. Tell him and then pray that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Stop walking in self-negativity and self-condemnation. Accept God's freedom in your life. So the point's not to be legalistic here and be like, this is what you can say and this is what you cannot say. But to evaluate your life and to ask yourself, is what I'm saying glorifying God and his spirit that he's put inside of me and rightly using his name? Or is it hurting his heart, challenging Jesus' sacrifice for me and a misuse of my words? Mm. Yeah, I know it's good. Thanks. So my next point, so the next area where we can misuse the power in our words and take Jesus' name in vain is in how we speak to others. So I actually just got this new laptop right here. She's cute. I know. Um, But when I got my laptop, I gave my old one to my mom. She's great. But um, when I was doing it, I was like taking off my password, like changing some of my settings so that she could have free reign on it, right? And some way I lost the administrative access on my laptop. So that meant like I couldn't save it to certain places, I couldn't change certain things, and it was so frustrating, because it was my laptop, but I lost the access to it. So what I had to do to give it so that she could use it, is I had to restore it to its default settings. And as I was doing this, I was kind of thinking, you know, our tongues, the way that we speak, they have a default setting too, only ours is not a good one. And so in James 3, verses 7 through 8, it says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, lizards, and sea creatures, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So the default setting of our tongues is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's so not good. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. All right, so how wicked are we that with the same mouth we praise God, we curse out God's children who are made and loved by him? So maybe you say, okay, Madeline, like I don't curse out people and I hope bad things happen to them. But like maybe I gossip and I talk about people a little bit. Well, gossip hurts the person that you're speaking about, but it also hurts the purity of our heart. Okay, so imagine, picture this with me. It's, it's with Jesus and the disciples, and it's the night before the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, hey, lean in. Everybody leans in. And he looks, and he makes sure that nobody's listening that shouldn't be. And he says, can you believe what John the Baptist said about Martha? And then how Mary slapped him because of it? No, that's ridiculous, right? It's because it's not honoring. It's not honoring to anybody in the situation. And Jesus wouldn't say anything that wouldn't honor people. And so what we say about others will either honor them or disrespect them. So before you speak about something, maybe we should ask ourselves, is what I'm saying going to lift somebody up or tear them down? So does anybody know what kind of like a Chi Alpha motto is? Christ ambassadors, anybody know what verse it is? Hey, there it is. It says, we are therefore Christ ambassadors. That's what Chi Alpha stands for, if you didn't know. But we are therefore Christ ambassadors. So what does it mean to be Christ ambassador? We are his representative to the world. What we say and do should be a reflection of what Jesus would say and do. And I can tell you that the world is watching if you gossip like crazy and then turn and invite somebody to church, they're going to think you're a hypocrite. Or worse, they'll think that Jesus approves or doesn't care if we gossip. We impugn the character of God. We call into question his authorities when we talk about other people. We misuse our title of Christian and misuse the name of Christ. So I'm right now, I'm applying for medical school, but right now I'm working at a dermatology clinic. So that means we see patients. There's, I work in a super small clinic. There's about five of us there. And a couple weeks ago, there was this one patient. He was calling every day. And I was like up to my wit's end with this patient because it felt like every time he called, I was the only person that answered the phone. I talked to him every day. I talked to him more than I talked to my mom. And I was tired of it. I really was. And at the, like, we're going to lunch, and my coworkers were kind of like talking bad about some patients, and I chimed in, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, let me tell you about John Doe. And I went off, and I was talking about him, and my boss was like, oh my gosh, Madeline, like, I didn't realize this patient was that bad. Like, that's crazy. I had no idea. And I was kind of like, well, he's not that bad. Like, he's just annoying me. <laughs> and, but I realized that the reason that he thought he was so bad was because he'd never heard me talk bad about a patient before. Because that was the first time that I was dishonoring somebody's name, and they noticed. They noticed when I didn't talk bad about people, but they did. The world is watching, and what we say about people, it matters. Whether we gossip, it matters. And what you say about people is a reflection of how you view God. How? This I know. If you love God, you'll love his people. If you speak lowly of his people, you have a low view of God. In Matthew 25, 42 through 45, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. 
I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or in need of clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Whatever you speak to other people is a reflection of what you'd say to God. When we disrespect people, we disrespect God. We're disrespecting the spirit he's placed inside of them. We're not honoring his name. Our words, they matter. They have weight. You know, it also hurts your witness. Now, I don't really care for politics, like, at all. But if I'm sitting here and I just loathe everything that Joe Biden ever says, and I sit here and I talk bad about him every second I get, then I meet him. I see him walking on speedway, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go win this person for Christ. And I get excited, and I'm like, hey, let me tell you about this Savior. My words have already cut that connection that I could have built there. My words have already torn him down and robbed the Holy Spirit of the power that I could speak life into him for. Our words matter. And so maybe you don't gossip and you don't curse people, but maybe you cuss, and cussing isn't sinful, right? Isn't it? Isn't it though? Like, what are some synonyms for cussing? Cursing, bad words, potty mouth, dirty words, like... <laughs> Those are all bad. Like, does that sound like anything that God wants inside of you? No. So we look at Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I don't know about you, but if I hear unwholesome, I kind of think that sounds like the words I just listed, but maybe I'm wrong. God desires purity for every part of our life, and the words that we speak are of no exception. Psalm 51.10 is my favorite verse. It's my life verse. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And this verse is my favorite because it reminds me of how God has changed my life to desire a pure and a steadfast heart to him. You know, I talked about that I got saved through Chi Alpha, and before that, I was just living for the world, living for myself. I didn't really care what I said and who I said it to. I was angry all the time. I cussed like crazy. I can vividly remember in my freshman year sitting in my dorm room and yelling at my friends. We were just arguing back and forth. I was just so angry, and my tongue was just spiteful and bitter. And, you know, Pastor Kelly loves when I say this, but... I used to curse worse than a sailor, like all the time. I prided myself in how much I cussed. And it was crazy. But as I met Jesus, and as he started changing my heart, he created in me a pure heart and a steadfast spirit that would honor him and rightly use his name. As I got closer to him, I realized that the words that I'm saying, they weren't honoring to him. If he's given me my breath, and those are the words that I'm using, what a waste. He wants pure words to come out of my mouth, words that are going to honor him and honor his people, and the words that I was saying weren't. Cuss words are not honoring to God. And so maybe you say, okay, like, I don't mean to cuss, but I only say it when I'm caught off guard or shocked or someone cuts me off in traffic. Well, Luke 6, 45 says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Yeah, right? Um. <laughs> Whatever we speak in an instance shows the depth that God's word has impacted our heart. 
that one more time. <laughs> Whatever we speak in an instance shows the depth that God's word has impacted our heart. How honoring would it be to God is if we're, when we're scared or caught off guard, the first thing we did was pray. Because we know the power that it has and the trust in God that we have to care for us. It honors him when we lean on him. And so our words, they matter. The next and last area that we're going to look at tonight, when how we misuse our words and take Jesus' name in vain, is in how we speak to God. You know, when you like hear teachers in class and they're like, there's no dumb questions, like ask away, and then they get mad at you when you ask a question. <laughs> well, like, I'm not going to say like, there's a wrong way to pray, but we should let scripture guide our prayers, the substance of our prayers, and the timing that we pray. So remember when we looked at the beginning, how Jesus prayed before he acted? Well, you ever have those people that like, you ask them like, hey, pray for me for this, and like, pray for my exam, and then like, the exam comes, and then you're like, oh yeah, my exam went well, and they're like, oh, I forgot to pray, like, let me pray right now, because the Lord is out of time, and he hears my prayers. That's like, yeah, like, it's so true, right? Keep doing it. But don't you know that, like, it would have been better if you remembered and prayed beforehand? So we should pray before we act. We should pray before the situation that we're praying for comes. So if you're worried about a test or talking to someone or doing something, pray before anything happens. Praying tells God that you trust in him, that you trust that he hears you, and that you trust that he'll move for you. Praying honors his name. So what should you pray? You should pray the outcome that you want to see happen. You should pray the answer and not complain about the problem. Whenever Jesus prayed for people to be healed, raised from the dead, or bread to be multiplied, he didn't sit there and say, okay, God, there's this person. He's got really smelly. He's got leprosy. He's got sores all over him. It's really bad. He has these symptoms, and it's just really gross. Would you heal him? Like, no. He prayed the answer. He would say, pick up your mat and walk. He would pray what he wanted to see happen. If somebody had a crippled hand, he would say, stretch out your hand and squeeze. Okay, maybe he didn't say squeeze, but you get the picture. That he would tell them, he would pray the answer that he wanted to see happen. And so it's not that God doesn't care about what's going on, that he doesn't want you to pray about it. But the point is, he wants you to get to the part that requires faith. Because when you require faith for him, that's when he can work a miracle. If you sit here complaining about it, what's God going to do with that? But if you say, God, I trust that you can do this, he says, great, this is my chance. This is my time that I can move. And do you ever have that person that just like, you want to make plans, and you talk all the time about making plans with them, and they say, okay, yeah, let's do this. Let's go to Austin. Let's go to San Antonio. Like, let's do this. But they don't actually believe it's going to happen, and it's all kind of just like talk, right? Well, it's pointless in that sense. It's vain, right? Because it's not going to produce a result. We need to believe in our prayers and believe that God is going to move in them. In John 14, 13 through 14, it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Right? Does it say, you may ask for some things in my name, and I will do it? You may ask for a majority of things in my name, and I'll do it. No, right? It says anything. Anything that we ask for, God will do for us. God's name is glorified when we pray in faith. And so, 
I know there's a lot of times when like we're praying for things, and sometimes it can just be really hard to have faith for that. And you know, we're like, I'm applying for medical school, right? And there are some days when I'm so confident, I have so much faith, and I'm like, God's gonna get me in. I'm already praying. Thank you. I'm already saying I got it. I'm buying my white coat right now. Like there are some days when like I'm on the mountaintop and I'm ready. And there are other times when I look at my surroundings and I'm saying, I'm not where I'm at. I don't have faith. I feel like it's not going to happen. And God doesn't just want empty prayers, but he does want our authenticity. He wants you to be honest with him and say, God, like I believe you're going to do this, but right now I don't feel it. And I think sometimes we think that we have to be this 110% Christian, that we have to do it this way, and we have to be great, and we have to be on fire all the time when our hearts aren't always at that place. But God wants our honesty with him. And we see this in the Bible, in Genesis, with Abraham and Sarah. They were super old, super old, and they couldn't have kids. But God had told them, I'm going to give you a son. And they didn't even believe him. It says that they laughed at God. But they said, okay, God, if this is what you say, I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to walk in it. And it, it happened, right? He got a son, and then through that, all the Bible, the rest of it comes into play. And, you know, the Bible, and later on when it quotes Abraham, it says that he had such great faith that it was credited to him as righteousness. But he doubted, right? He laughed at God. But he was honest with him, and he said, God, I don't feel it, but if you say it, I'm going to believe it. And so even if you're not feeling it, just be honest with God and say, God, I trust you. I trust your word. I trust what the Bible says. Because, you know, the more that we walk in faith and the more that we pray, the more that we're going to see God answer our prayers, which will in turn build our faith so that we pray more. The more that we pray, the more we're going to see miracles happen. Ask Jesus for the faith while you pray and watch as he continues to build you and grow you in it. So hopefully over the past couple minutes, I've shown you that your words have power. But it's not just like words in general that have power, right? It's not mine. It's not Pastor Kelly's. It's your words. Your words, what you say in these seats, they matter. And so right now, I want you to say, my words have power. My words have power. Louder like you mean it. My words have power. One more time so the devil can hear you. <laughs> My words have power. Your words have power. Your words, they matter. Whether you honor God with your speech, it matters. Okay, so you say, I've been praying and believing for years to be a millionaire. And it hasn't happened. I still got $100,000 in student loans that I have to pay off. Well, let me counter that and ask, where does it say in the Bible that you're going to be a millionaire? I don't think it does. And I've read the Bible. But... In John 15, 7, it says, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. What does it mean to remain in God? It means reading the Bible, praying, sitting with Him. Because when we do this, we learn what aligns with His will and His heart. And then, as we grow close to Him, we start to desire these things, too. In Psalm 37, 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't say, pray, and God will give you the desires of your heart. It says, take delight in the Lord. Meaning when we sit with God, and we read his word, and we pray, our desires start to become his desires. What we're praying for is his will that we're praying for. So he delights to give us the answer to our prayers because it's his will. 
So that means that you're not always going to be a millionaire. But when you sit with God, you'll learn to love what he loves. And you'll pray for what he wants to pray for. It's not up to us to know how God is going to do something. But we just need to believe that he's going to do it. You know, I don't know how airplanes fly. Like, at all. I looked up. And there's this force called lift. Something in physics. Probably, Anshi, you probably know anything about it. I don't. So don't, like, challenge. If this is wrong, like, just close your mouth. <laughs> but there's this force called lift that overcomes the plane's weight. And it allows it to fly. And so that's about all I know how airplanes fly, right? That there's a force called lift. I don't understand how it works. I Like, not in the slightest. But I have faith that when I get on a plane, the force of lift will carry me and I won't come crashing to the ground. Right? So do I know how God's going to bring a breakthrough in your situation or heal your family member or give you that A on the test? No. But I know that there's a force called the grace and power of God in your life that's working all things for your good. Come on, and Maddie. And you will see this through to completion. Come on, Madeline. Thank you. <laughs> When we pray in faith, when we pray his will, it honors his name. If we take faith out of our prayers, it's a misuse of his name. It's producing no result. What we say, it matters. So I don't know if the band would want to come back up. But in Mark 11, 12 through 24, it says, The next day... As they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples, his disciples, his disciples heard him say that. We see later in verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they will say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. We see here that Jesus' words that they cursed the fig tree. It actually brought death. And remember that the Holy Spirit's inside of us. So the same power that Jesus has in him, we have in us. So the words that we have have the power to bring life or bring death. What will you choose to speak? When you speak life, you honor God. When you speak death, you honor the world and disrespect God. Who do you want to honor with your words? Our words, they have power, and it's time we start speaking like they do. In Matthew 22, 36 through 40, it says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The degree that you love God is evident by the words that you say to yourself, to others, and to Jesus. If you love God, you won't misuse his name. 
you're going to pray in faith and you're going to pray his will because your desires align with his desires. If you love others, you won't impugn Jesus' character. You won't challenge the truth that he's placed in somebody. You won't challenge the sacrifice that he made by what the words you're saying to others. If you love yourself, you'll speak life over yourself and you'll honor the spirit that Jesus has placed in you. The words that we say, they matter. With every head bowed and eyes closed tonight, there are two ways that we can respond. So maybe this is the first time that you're actually considering following Jesus. Maybe, you know, you've never really understood that Jesus died for you, but you want to make that decision tonight. Or maybe you're here and you've never really understood the weight of what being a Christ follower means. Now, a Christian bears Christ's name. Maybe you've considered yourself a Christian, but you didn't really understand what giving Jesus full control, full authority looks like. And you want to give him full control tonight. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've fallen back into some sin and some old habits. And you know that you're not in good standings with God. But you want to make it right tonight. If any of those three places apply to you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Because this isn't to me. This isn't saying anything to me. But you're raising your hand to God in boldness and faith and saying, God, I want to get right with you. And trusting that when you raise your hand, God's going to see you and he's going to come and he's going to meet you. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. So one, with every eyes closed, this is just between you and God. Nobody else needs to be looking around. Two, if the Holy Spirit is touching your heart tonight and it's beating fast, it's because this message is for you. And three, if you just raise your hand right now if you want to get right with Jesus tonight. All right, you can put your hands down. Everybody, let's clap and let's celebrate that people just decided to get back with the Lord tonight. The Bible says that when one sinner comes to Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. And so we're going along with that tonight. So I just want to pray, but I'm going to pray the salvation. And maybe this is the first time you're praying it. Or for other people, maybe it's a moment to get back to it. But it's a good reminder for us all. So I'm going to pray. Dear Jesus, we just thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. I was supposed to say, would you repeat after me? <laughs> so, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. I thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for me. I thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. I thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. To come and live in me. To come and live in me. Would you forgive me of all my sins? Would you forgive me of all my sins? And help me. And help me. Live like you. Live like you. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Help me become like Jesus. Help me become like Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In your name I pray. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's give it up one more time for Maybe I've been misusing God's name. 
when I was preparing for this message and asking God, what do you want me to say to your people? I felt like the Lord said, I want them to reverently adore my name. I want them to reverently adore my name. We need the Holy Spirit's help to rightly speak to ourselves, to others, and to God. And this can look different for a lot of people. You know, if something's kind of popped into your head tonight and throughout this message, it's probably the Holy Spirit bringing it to mind because he wants you to leave it at the altar so that you can overcome it tonight. So there's a couple people that we've asked to come forward to pray with, and if you would just want to come up on either side. There's going to be some leaders, some people on staff here, that if, this, if that's something that God's been touching you, that you want to pray with somebody tonight to overcome it, you can come forward and do so. You know, the Bible says that when two or more are gathered, he is there. So if you come up with somebody, that's two people, right? God is there. Now, I know a lot of times, like, we get fearful or we, we question, oh, what's somebody going to think of me? They're going to know what I'm coming forward for. Well, like, no, they don't. But also, if they did, who cares? This is between you and God. This is something that you're going to make right with him tonight. You know, when we had read the Exodus verse earlier in the Amplified Version, it talked about how when we misuse God's name, we rob him of his power. When we use his name in vain, it produces no results. And you know, the name of God has power in it. But when we use it wrong, it produces no results. It takes out the power. When you speak of the Lord's name in vain, you're putting the Holy Spirit in a box and saying, this is where you can move. But tonight, I think there are some believers here that want to take the Holy Spirit out of the box. And they say, I want to get everything that God has for me. And that starts with having God watch the doors of your lips. And so I'm just going to pray. And then afterwards, if you feel like you want to come forward and pray with the leaders, just feel free to do so. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Father, for this moment, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for what Jesus has done for us, and that how with him and with the Holy Spirit, we can speak words to ourselves, to others, and pray to you in a way that honors your name. Father, I pray right now, God, you bring areas to mind where we have been misusing your name, areas where we need to grow in. Father, I thank you that there's no condemnation here, God, but you are excited that we're coming forward and learning how we can grow closer to you. Father, so I just pray you just bring these areas to mind, but then you show us and give us the strength to speak of your name rightly. We love you, Father, and we just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, just come forward.